Support for Spoleto Backstage is made possible in part by Chamber Music Charleston, celebrating the return of live music gatherings and their 15th anniversary, with their season opener featuring violinist Rachel Barton Pine and more. September 28th at the Satilli Theater. For tickets, chambermusiccharleston.org. Support also comes from Brook Green Gardens, presenting the National Sculpture Society's 88th Annual Awards Exhibition, June 12th through August 22nd, and Summerlight Art by Night, Wednesdays through Saturdays until August 22nd. More at brookgreen.org. Productions of chamber music from Spoleto Festival USA are made possible by Bank of America, the ETV Endowment of South Carolina, and the John Covington and Robert Lukey Fund for the Performing Arts. Hello and welcome to another episode of Spoleto Backstage, your podcast pal with an insider's view of the 2021 Spoleto Festival USA chamber music series. I'm Bradley Fuller and I can't wait to share with you something special something brand new, a world premiere performance by oboist James Austin Smith. We'll also hear from James himself as he shares some fascinating background on this contemporary composition, Siegfried Tila's Ballad for Oboe. That's in store for later, but first, let's go ahead and dash right into double reed territory, be whisked away into some wonderful woodwind warmth, go into oboe mode with a work by George Frederick Handel. From program five of this year's chamber series, this is an oboe concerto in G minor by the German-English, Germlish Engelmann Baroque composer. You know, to be fair, it's from earlier on in Handel's career, before his move to Britain from his homeland, so we'll go with German. Anyway, today's featured guest, James Austin Smith, is our soloist, joined by Peja Mutsievich, harpsichord, Jeff Nuttall and Lydia Son, violins, Ayane Kozasa, viola, Paul Wianco, cello, and Anthony Monzo, double bass. And to help you get a better sense of this dashing and dapper double readist at center stage, here's Chamber Music Series Artistic Director, Jeff Nuttall. This is really about the return to our stage, the arrival of the incredible oboist James Austin Smith. I just want to, you know, it's been a couple of years, right? We've not been able to be here and you have not... I mean, I hope you've been following his Instagram account, but if you haven't, I just wanted to fill you in on a couple of things. He was just recently announced for the third consecutive, three years in a row, you're going to be amazed, three years in a row, was voted the world's most attractive oboist. <laughs> I know, I know. He's just way too hot to handle. <laughs> Handle him, handle him with care. No? I get no support from you all. Please welcome James Austin Smith. Now, we, you know, we like to bounce ideas off you all, and I've been vetoed, like booing loudly means we'll never see it, and cheering means that we might. 
And we were just talking backstage about, because he is, I mean, you, not our only, a great, incredible, you're a very attractive man. I mean, I, I, and we were thinking, you know how the, sometimes in order to raise money, I haven't talked to Nigel Redden about this, but you know, as a marketing play, maybe a, like a swimsuit calendar for the chamber music thing, right? Centerfold, no? It's been great being with you. <laughs> okay, well, that was sort of half, half and half, I think. Okay, this George Frederick Handel, we're, I mean, we haven't played, at least I haven't played a whole lot of Baroque music in two years. It's, it's so great to be back with the band. This is an early concerto. Handel was still living in Germany. This is before he took England by storm and moved there and became like the god of music, basically, with the Messiah and all these other incredible oratorios. But this is an early concerto in four movements, this dramatic grave opening, and then allegro second movement and an exquisitely beautiful Sarabande Largo, slow movement, as the third movement, and the final movement goes back to an allegro. Um, and just to set it up, we were talking about the concept of improvisation and jazz versus classical music. In, in the Baroque era especially, improvisation was not only the norm, it was expected. As an example, in this Sarabande, this beautiful movement, um, he sets it up, there are two sections, each one is repeated. And on the repeat of that section, it would have been expected that the soloist improvise something on the melody, so you don't just do it again exactly the same. So it sort of give you a, get your ears ready for this. Here's the, the first four bars or so of this beautiful melody in its sort of unadulterated state as Handel wrote it. Now, on repeat, listen to what James does to that melody. Now, you know, when is too much of a good thing too much? If we were all to improvise uh, on that melody, as the bass, the band played exactly the same music and James improvised on the melody. If we all got delusions of grandeur and improvised it, it would sound like this. Okay, that was horrible, but you get the idea, right? It's a very fine balance between the structure of the, of the melody and letting James be free to do his thing. So, four movements, Handel Oboe Concerto.
a blast from the German Baroque past there with George Frederick Handel's Oboe Concerto in G minor, HWV 287. Oboist James Austin Smith performing there, joined by harpsichordist Peja Mutievich, violinist Jeff Nuttall and Livia Son, violist Ayane Kozasa, cellist Paul Wianco, and bassist Anthony Monzo. We'll hear more in the way of James Austin Smith's musical talents in a bit, and before that, a little talk from the oboist. You may just agree that he's not a bad speaker, either. From a conversation I had not long ago with James, here he is sharing about how he became entrusted with the premiere of a new work for solo oboe by a German composer in his late 80s. But before we head into that really interesting story, James gives a little review of life as a musician during the pandemic. Musicians in general, wind instruments, we've had a specific, the specific pleasure of being labeled super spreaders, which let's say uh, maybe we're at the point where we can kind of chuckle about that. It didn't feel like that a few <laughs> months ago, but it's been, you know, it's been um, on the one hand, amazing to have time to really dig in some projects that I never had time to do before. And on the other hand, really tough because, you know, we live to perform. I think the closest thing I can, I can relate it to is when you suffer some kind of loss, it's, you know, there's something that was in your life and is no longer in your life. And the longer this period went on for, the more it really felt like that. Like, wow, this is something that I used to do all the time and now I can't do it at all. So this is like a really, really joyous occasion to be back at Splato. This is only my, I'd say my third performance of the year because we as wind players have, you know, been kind of held back a little bit from that. So it's really thrilling. Well, one of the pieces you have in store is a world premiere. I have to admit the name was entirely new to me and sometimes I dive deep into the weeds of music history and obscure composers, but Siegfried Tila? Yep. Exactly. Could you tell me something about this this composer? Absolutely. So the story starts when I was a, a after undergrad, I went and had the great fortune of studying for a year abroad in Leipzig in Germany. And that was in 2005. I mean, that was long after the fall of the Berlin Wall and long after the reunification of Germany. So it was just a time to study in an incredible city full of music. Wagner and Bach and Schumann and Mendelssohn, the legacy is pretty amazing. I had sort of gathered that something interesting had happened during the 40 years of the existence of East Germany, uh, musically. But, you know, I was a student. I was, I was 22. I was just, you know, studying and, you know, drinking beer and doing whatever you do when you live in Germany for a year. <laughs> Needless to say, the pandemic came and I had more time, as I said, to sort of look into things that I was interested in. And I thought, I wonder if I could go back to that. Well, I can't go back to that time, but I wonder if I could take a look at what was going on there. And what was so interesting was that in the early 70s, this extraordinary avant-garde of contemporary music started to appear in East Germany. And it was very much related to a kind of resistance against the communist regime. And it was centered around an oboe player, a man named Borchardt Gletzner. He and his fellow trombone player in the Radio Symphony in Leipzig, they founded a new music group called the Group for New Music, Hans Eisler. And they created an extraordinary amount of music. They were eight musicians, but music, music, music from one player to eight players. Mm-hmm. You know, they commissioned everything from all, from all kinds of composers, mainly their countrymen, their East German com- countrymen. One of those composers was Siegfried Thiele. And very fortunately, I got the chance to go and live in Berlin last fall, in the fall of 2020, to research this whole era and this music. Very fortunately, Burkhard Gletzner is still alive, so I got to spend a lot of time with him, this oboe player. And then I started to seek out any of these composers who might still be living, and among them was Siegfried Thiele at the age of 87. Wow. 
And I went to his home in Leipzig, and I brought along with me my, my phone to record our interview, and my oboe, and a piece that he had written in 1975 for solo oboe. Short little piece. And we had a really, really fascinating chat, um, a, a deeply kind and very thoughtful individual, um, Siegfried Thiele. And at the end I said, you know, I'd love to, I, I've brought my oboe, I'd love to play your piece for you and hear your comments. And he was so happy to hear his music played, um, which I think doesn't happen that often. And I'll get into that in a second. That we worked on it. He was very he was he was he was tough with me, but but clearly pleased. And at the end he said, Would you do me please do me a favor? And I said, gladly do anything for you. And he said, Could you play this piece for my wife? And so there we were, the three of us in his home in Leipzig, he and his wife Uta and I played his piece for him and it was a lovely afternoon and, and, and morning. And, and that was that. I left. And a few weeks later, I was in my rented apartment in Berlin and I, a package came in the mail. Mysterious. And I thought, this is interesting from Professor Tila. And I opened it up and in it was a piece that he had composed following my visit to him. A little ballad for solo oboe. And of course, I was very touched um, that he would do this and he, he doesn't write much music anymore. Um, so this was a piece he composed in the time between your first meeting and getting the package. Exactly. Um, and it was sort of a little gift. And the best way to say thank you to a composer for writing music of any kind, let alone music for you, is to play their music. So I very quickly got on the phone with Jeff Nottle and said, Jeff, I have something really cool has happened. Any chance that we could do this at Spoleto? And that's what's happening. This is the world premiere of a brand new piece by a very experienced composer who in his lifetime, especially in his sort of country of origin, which the East Germany, which of course no longer exists, he enjoyed a huge amount of popularity and he was his music was played a lot. And in the years since has sort of fallen a little bit into the shadows along with so many of his countrymen whose culture has been, uh, in a way, a bit left behind since the reunification of Germany. You know, it, it does seem like I can think of a few names from France or Britain in that time period, but if you were to say name some East German composers, I would be very hard-pressed to do any. I mean, I have one now <laughs> here, but why do you think that is, or, or what, you know, what cultural forces are at play here? There's sort of two reasons that I think one is a, a sort of more universal issue that we have in the West where when we approach art that's made in a different context, let's say in the Soviet Union or um, indeed in East Germany or other former Eastern countries, we tend to think we tend to see it through the lens of the politics and wonder, is it is it somehow compromised, you know, when in fact, more often than not, it was actually written in resistance to those politics of that time, those the, and that terrible oppression that the that these musicians lived under. So I think I think we tend to as a, as a Western society kind of filter out some of that. And then in Germany itself, after the fall of the wall and the reunification of the two of the two Germanies, a lot of what came out of East Germany was seen as lower quality. Um, and, and I'm talking about consumer goods. I'm talking about dishwasher detergent or, you know, um, laundry detergent or, or cars, whatever it might be. But a lot of the culture that came out of East Germany got kind of lumped in with that. And so we have lost a lot of this. And, and I have to say what has been so 
incredible about the work that the research that I've been doing is to find this music, which is really quite thrilling in a lot of ways. Tila's music is, is a quite a bit more, um, Tila, Tila is a very um, devout Christian. His music is informed, I would say, by sort of church music. It's not a particularly avant-garde language. I don't think the audience in the Dock Street Theater will be shocked <laughs> by what they hear. But some of these other composers, for example, Georg Katzer is one, or Friedrich Goldmann, or Christfried Schmidt, considerably more dramatic and more uh, involving speech and often singing or text, a real kind of performance art that I am really looking forward to sharing with more audiences because it's something that we've lost that we really shouldn't have. So have you already made some plans to research some more pieces and, and go back to Germany and, and former what, what is now um, you know, East Germany? What would have been East Germany? Go there and, and see what all is happening? I will actually be heading out there after my last concert here at Spoleto. So I'm headed back to do some more research. I'm also really keen to interview some of these people who are still alive because um, part of remembering a past is having access to it. And if you were to go onto YouTube and try and find some of these people or this music, you'd have a really difficult time finding it. It's just not there. Um, you know, YouTube didn't exist in, 19, in the 1980s. So that's part of the project. Um, and then also to make some um, performance films with some of this music, not just the solo oboe music, but um, music for small chamber music groups, that kind of thing. Speaking of access, I mean, these are older German composers you're mentioning. I would assume they may not be as familiar with the English language as younger Germans are today. Is there a language barrier problem? And is there a kind of cultural difference where they might say, hey, what is this young American guy? I mean, should we entrust this music, this culture to him and not one of our own young Germans? It's all wrapped up in there for sure. I'm very fortunate because I, because I lived and studied in Germany, I do speak German. So that, okay. um, that, that is a big part of that communication. And I think also in terms of, it's exactly right what you say, Bradley, about like building a kind of trust um, because there is a question mark of like, who, who, why exactly does he care about all this? You know, why does he come from New York or from Charleston to dive into all of this? So my having had that time living in Leipzig certainly helped. The language helps. And also, interestingly, you, 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 you know, you asked the question about why not a young German? The interesting thing that I found is that the fact that there is interest from outside is actually very powerful. The, 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 the 20th and 21st century history of German reunification is very much a German history. And sure, we all, we all recognize the, the, the scenes of joy from the fall of the Berlin Wall. But beyond that, in terms of it being a, a theme that gets much interest from, 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 from without, it's not. So when someone comes in and says, I, I care about this, I'm curious, people, people take note. And um, I'd like to think that I can help play a part in making, in, in telling this story such that more people know it and that it's not a story about me as an oboe player researching this music or, or, or this time, but more a story of incredible creativity, of real fortitude in, in, in the face of pretty significant oppression and a real incredible sort of hopefulness that came out of, out of those politically oppressive times. And hopefully something that, that, that can live on now, both sort of in, in, in history and in sound as a sort of audible memory. 
You said you were recording these works as well, or hope to. Will you be performing them live in Europe and Germany as well? This time, no, but I hope that that's going to be part of it. And I'm working with um, a few different um, sort of interested presenters and concert concert programmers to really get some of this music heard. And again, it's not about not just about what I'm doing, but hopefully um, colleagues and certainly my students, they're going to be experiencing this music as well. So it's about creating an activity around this period that um, has suffered from a kind of lack of attention. Oboist James Austin Smith there sharing about his work bringing some much-needed attention to the music of East Germany. And as James was saying, part of that work is playing, or performing, if you prefer. Here we are with his Spoleto Chamber Series performance, a world premiere of the piece that Siegfried Thiele wrote for him, Ballad for Oboe.
a wonderful performance there by James Austin Smith of Siegfried Tila's Ballad for Oboe. You heard it here first. I mean, seriously, you very likely heard that piece here on Spoleto Backstage first, unless you attended Dock Street Theater yourself in person for the concert or tuned in for the right Chamber Series broadcast on Sonatas and Soundscapes, because that was a world premiere performance. Music Tila wrote for James after a meaningful visit, which James was sharing about earlier. You know, it's such an exciting thing to be able to enjoy a world premiere, especially when an interpretation is as skillful and sensitive as James was. And on that note, on each and every one of them, didn't bother to count them all, but they all were lovely. If you don't want to be left out of the action for another premiere and newer works from this year's Chamber series, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you'll have each episode right there waiting for you as soon as it drops. And like that, we've already reached the end of this episode. It's been great as always having you along, and I hope that you'll join me next time too for Spoleto Backstage. Until then, take care. Productions of chamber music from Spoleto Festival USA are made possible by Bank of America, the ETV Endowment of South Carolina, and the John Covington and Robert Lukey Fund for the Performing Arts. Thank you.